And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Sturkast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. Today it's all over for Werder Bremen, but Erste FC Köln are still in with a shout and we'll have time to look back at another tremendous Bundesliga season in our very special 2021 season review. Kevin and Christoph are here to help me pick out the winners of the inaugural Stahlcast Awards. We'll have a best coach, best game, a combined 11 and the best player, not called Robert. Welcome Christoph, welcome Kevin, welcome dear listener. Before we get going though, if you want to read more about the Bundesliga and indeed dozens and dozens of amazing football stories each day, don't forget you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £3.99 a month for six months. Go to theathletic.com slash starcastpod to sign up. Well, welcome to this uh, week's very special Starcast edition. Uh, it's going to be a season review. But first of all, congratulations are due. We have winners all around on this pod this week. First of all, Christoph Biermann, who um, looks very, very happy uh, for those who, who can't see. Uh, his voice has, I think, suffered some after effects from celebrating not just Union Berlin's conference, European conference qualification. Um, nice scenes there at Alte Försterei. But perhaps even more importantly, Falfel Bochum are back in Bundesliga one next season. Christoph, how do you feel? It, it took me the night to realize it, actually. I was in Bochum yesterday for the match. And again, it was an empty stadium. And again, it felt unreal in a way. But when, when I left the stadium to walk from there to the main station to go back to Berlin. The whole city was uh, was uh, underway and people were celebrating everywhere and a lot of cars honking, driving around, flags, banners, football shirts. It, it, felt, it felt also a bit like a step towards, back towards normality in a way that was also fantastic about it. Maybe it wasn't okay with all the hygiene things, but but a lot of people were also uh, um, wearing masks and keeping their distance and, and so on. But there was so much joy um, in the city because, um, yeah, it was 11 years that uh, Bochum was lost in the wilderness of the second division. They're going up just when the second division is becoming so exciting. Yeah, it's interesting. Ironic. Yeah, yeah. But but uh, I tell you the truth. With with all my experience from the second division, as soon as all the uh, Werder Bremen and Schalke and all the other fans are watching their team play on a Friday at half past uh, six, or especially on a Saturday at one o'clock, you know you're in the Uh, second division <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah uh, great names in the second division uh, next season maybe the you're right maybe the 
the second division with the the most you 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 tend to call them blue chip teams or blue chip clubs. So a lot of blue chips uh, in the second division uh, next season and maybe even less in the Bundesliga. Um, but um, I personally. I'm happy to have escaped this second division. Yeah, and we're happy for you. I mean, if those clubs were, were truly blue chip clubs, of course, they wouldn't be in the second division. So <laughs> in inverted commas, blue chip clubs. But congratulations also in order uh, to, to you, Kevin Hatcher, because not only has a club that you have some sympathies for qualified for the Champions League again in the Premier League, um, I'll leave it up to you whether you want to divulge more more secrets about that. But uh, just as importantly, you've tipped the winner of the Eurovision, <laughs> which is is a big deal. Well, that gives me uh, as much pride as uh, any achievement this season, to be honest. I was delighted that I was on the Italy train, uh, so I was right there. Um, uh, listeners obviously won't know this, but I have my uh, Eurovision bunting still up <laughs> at home. Uh, so my wife did a fine job with that. And um, during the day, it was the ultimate day for me because I had Eurovision in the evening and then I got to uh, call Max Cruz's 92nd minute winner uh, for Union in the uh, in that game against RB Leipzig for the World Feed. So it was pretty much the perfect day. And as you say, my beloved Liverpool made it through to the Champions League on the Sunday. So what a weekend. Uh, great weekend. Um, Christoph, were you there when Max Cruz scored that uh, amazing goal? I was. Yes, I was. And... Um... Another of these unreal moments, um, because I, I mean, we, we, we have to say, this is a team with the second smallest budget in the Bundesliga, and they go to the uh, go to playing uh, Europa, and they deserved it. I mean, the, the 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 actual win against Leipzig was a bit lucky, but uh, the overall season wasn't lucky at all. So. They were the seventh best team in the Bundesliga, and that is, uh, yeah, unbelievable. Again, yeah. The most amazing thing about it for me, uh, and Christoph will, will know this better than me, having having followed the team for so long. But people talk about the UEFA Conference League, and some talk about it in quite a dismissive way. Who wants to qualify for that? Do you want to avoid it? That kind of thing, it's especially prevalent in England. I've rarely. In 21 years of commentating, commentated on a goal that had such a feeling of joy attached to it. Uh, it was extraordinary. I mean, Cruz scores the goal. I know there were only 2,000 fans in the stadium. They sounded like 40,000. It was amazing. And it was such a feeling of pride. Uh, it's such a monumental achievement. And it was... It's the kind of thing football's all about. That kind of moment, they'd had a really lucky escape at the other end when Nkunku hit the post. They'd ridden their luck through the kind of closing stages of the game. But it's it kind of reminds you why we all fell in love with football in the first place. It was brilliant, really great. And will they be able to play at the uh, stadium next season in Europe? I was teasing uh, Dirk Zingler, the, the president of Union, very early in the season. And I reminded him on, on, on Saturday, I think already mid-December, I was saying, hey, you're going to have to re have a real problem with the international games at the Alte Försterei. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> yeah, and and I did it again, and he was ah, I'm I'm going to sue uh, UEFA so that we can play. I, I don't like the rules, and he is a man who likes to have a fight with the uh, with 
uh, with the authorities and um, I don't know if he, he will do it. There are already talks of um, Union moving to the Olympic Stadium uh, because that's the only real option. Um, if they would put seats in the Alta First Array, that is uh, technical possible, but but they, it would reduce the capacity to, I don't know, maybe eight, nine, uh, 10, 11,000. And then you, you have to see that I, I think it will take a, a lot of time until uh, we can play capacity crowds in football stadiums. And uh, so I think Olympic Stadium will be an option. Well, we'll see what, what happens there. Just before we move on to our awards, because we have um, our very own awards ceremony coming up, um, just to clarify what happened on the final match day of the season, Bayern, as you know, are our champions. They finished with a 5-2 win over Augsburg and Robert Lewandowski, with the very last kick of the game, managed to beat Gerd Müller's famous record of 40 goals with the 41st goal of the season, an historic achievement for him. Uh, Leipzig in second, Dortmund in third, Wolfsburg in fourth, not changed there. Frankfurt finished in fifth, just ahead of Leverkusen Derby in the Europa League as well, after going down three win against Dortmund. Union, as we heard, will be contesting the inaugural Europa Conference League. And then down the bottom, Schalke, of course, already gone. Köln managed to save themselves, at least temporarily. They're going to be in the playoffs against Holstein Kiel later this week after one win against Schalke. But it's Bremen who go down with them with Schalke, I should say, after 4-2 defeat at home to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Bielefeld saving themselves thanks to a late win on match day 34, 2-0 at Stuttgart. Where shall we start? Maybe one word on the relegation uh, quickly before we have our awards. Christoph, uh, Werder Bremen, they rolled the dice. They brought on uh, Thomas Schaaf to guide the team, what they thought would be at least three more games. It only ha happened to be one, and now they're down. I mean, this this has this been one of the more avoidable relegations in recent years. If we look at 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 the situation like ten ten match days ago, when it was match day twenty twenty fourth, they had thirty points, and and they got another one. One from and and that is, um, I think you can. It, it it should have been avoidable. So it should have been possible to to get three or four points out of these ten matches. And um, but 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 when we, when we take a step back, Werder Bremen has been in a long decline. And already last season they have been in the relegation matches against Heidenheim. And after that they missed the opportunity to strengthen their squad. They gave away Davy Klaassen to, to Ajax, uh, one of the key players in last year's team. So was it avoidable or was it... Was it um, yeah, I, I think it would have been avoidable on, on the one side, but on the other side, it's, it's, it's the final chapter of a long decline. I think there was an element of disbelief among the players and among... Uh, guys like Thomas Schaaf and the sporting director Frank Bauman, they still couldn't believe they let it get to this point where they actually went down. The players have to take, obviously, a huge amount of the blame uh, for a complete 
collective loss of rhythm, of confidence, so many mis- individual mistakes in games. I don't want to bash the sporting director, Frank Bauman, too much because I've done that plenty on this show already. But I do think he has made some really bad errors in the transfer market and the ultimate error was the dithering over the situation with Florian Kofeld, the coach. I think you either stick with him all the way, and let's remember that Kofeld engineered a final day escape last season. You either stick with him all the way to match day 34 and possibly beyond, or you make that coaching change six weeks earlier, like Armenia Bielefeld did, like FT Köln did, and it had a positive effect for both of those clubs. So I think it is avoidable. And I think when we look back on it, it'll be one of the crazier relegations we've seen because that squad, for all the mistakes I think they have made in the transfer market, there's no way that squad should have been anywhere near the bottom two. Okay, let's move on to the awards. Uh, And we start with this category called Best Player Not Called Robert. (laughs) Um, And that is... uh, not a slight on Robert Andrich or Robert Tesche or Robert uh, Zulch. Schule. Schule. Robert Schule. Apologies to them. They're not able to win this competition <laughs> or this particular category. But of course, in recognition of Robert Lewandowski's brilliance, I don't think there's a point discussing anyone else, uh, really, unless we exclude the Polish forward first. So who has been the second best individual performer? in the league this season? Uh, I'm going to vote for Thomas Müller because I think, again, his level of performance has been terrific. So many assists. He's carried on the form from last season. But he's such a leader on that pitch as well. Uh, You you can constantly see him kind of organising teammates, leading the press. Uh, He is very much the kind of second coach on the field. And I think that incredible competitive nature that he has clearly rubs off on his teammates uh, and I think he's made a a massive impact so uh, I know it's perhaps slightly dull to go for a Bayern player but he's one of my all-time favorites and I think I don't know I'd be interested to see what you guys think about this actually but since he was forcibly retired by Germany it has seemed to me that he's played some of his best ever stuff. Uh, Thomas Müller is also the name that I have written down here as the best non-Robert. And I totally agree with everything um, Kevin was saying. And and also maybe the pandemic situation with the, with the empty stadiums and that we could hear players increase the awareness of everybody how important he is. Because normally with all the noise on uh, in the stadium, you, you rarely can hear players. But now we all know what Radio Müller means. Uh, so there is constant <laughs> broadcasting of, um, of um, and I would say non-rubbish stuff because he is organizing his team. It's, it not, it's not just like, come on, guys, uh, give it all, blah, 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 this kind of stuff. He is actually organizing his players, as Kevin said, like a, a, a second coach and... Uh, he has matured as a as a player, so they, with all the experience he has and 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 his his qualities um, are more obvious uh, than ever. And I said it some weeks ago, 
And I also find him uh, one of the best uh, um, uh, players in, in this um, after-match, inter post-match interviews. Because it's, you, you can you always hear interesting um, aspects from him. So it's not this uh, normal stuff you, uh, you hear from most of, of the other players. It's, it's, it's a shrewd ob observation, interesting points he's making and so on. Yeah, so best known Robert Thomas Müller. Yeah, well, Thomas Müller is a player that I thought about uh, for this particular accolade. But in the end, I just about came down for somebody else who is not the best interviewee um, after the final whistle, but who has done it, I think, on the pitch. And perhaps we've overlooked just how good this guy's been. 27 goals and 28 games in the Bundesliga. 41 in 41 in all competitions this season. Unbelievable, unbelievable record for a team that has been misfiring throughout the season as well. So Erling Haaland, uh, in case you haven't guessed it yet, is my uh, player of the season, my non-Robert Lovodovsky player of the season. And because my vote is final, the official <laughs> Starcast award will go to him, despite the 2-1 two -one, <laughs> scoreline here within the pod. So Erling Haaland, congratulations, you've won it. Uh, I'm sure not the only individual prize that's going to come his way uh, this season or next. But let's move on to best coach. I mean, Christoph, you've nailed your colors to the mast, as it were. You've told us throughout the season who your best coach is in Urs Fischer. Have you changed your mind? Somebody else been able to overtake him or is it still? Um, I, I have considered Edin Terzic because I found it was a fantastic achievement with winning the cup and, and, um, and leading Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League uh, after a very difficult season. I also considered Bo Svensson because no coach uh, in the history of the Bundesliga managed to uh, keep a team up uh, that only had seven points after the first half of the season. So... I mean, what happened at, at Mainz is, is one of maybe the biggest turnaround of a season in the history of the Bundesliga. So, yeah, I considered him, but my best coach is Urs Fischer. And again, he has the uh, second smallest budget. So the team that had the second smallest budget. So he is the overachiever of the overachievers in the Bundesliga. And he managed it the third time in a row to, uh, to lead Union Berlin to uh, the biggest season or best season um, after reunification, uh, uh, bringing in the Bundesliga, keeping them up and now leading them to Europe. So, and I, 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 I many I have, have said it so often, I think he is still um, desperately overlooked and undervalued. He is just a fantastic coach. I was considering Urs Fischer as well for all of the reasons that Christoph has mentioned, but I have to go for Bo Svensson because it's not just the results that he was able to achieve, which were startling in, in themselves. I mean, in the second half of the season, they beat RB Leipzig, they beat Bayern, they beat Borussia Mönchengladbach, they came back from 2-0 down to draw with Bayer Leverkusen. So they are stunning, but it's the way he's gone about it. It's the way that he has gone back to basics, but also stamped his philosophy and his authority on that group of players so quickly. I mean, he's been able to make them aggressive with and without the ball. They're so much more organised at the back. They carried a genuine goal threat. And I think what he's done as well, and Jean-Paul Boetius, their Dutch midfielder, talked about this. There was an element 
of complacency at the start of the season and suddenly they found themselves in a real hole and I think some of them felt, I oh, will get out of this, it'll be okay. And it just wasn't happening for them. And what Svensson was able to do was show them a way to win. He was able to show them a tactical scheme that worked and then the players did their bit. So it's just a phenomenal achievement. Yeah, I think both of them would make for really worthy winners. I was tempted to go with Bo Svensson as well. 32 points he picked up in the second half of the season. If you double that, that would have been enough to play in the Champions League with minds, which is really an incredible achievement. But I think even though it's a little bit unsexy and it's a little bit dull um, and the football wasn't always exciting, I think Oliver Glasner uh, warrants a mention to finish fourth with Wolfsburg, a team that isn't necessarily packed with superstars. Yes, they have Vekost up front, they have uh, Lacroix at centre-back, but this is not a team that necessarily screams Champions League at you to finish fourth. Um, with that side, I think warrants some recognition. So narrowly, I'm going to give it to to Oliver Glasner. Best transfer is the next one. Who wants to start? I'll start with Maxence Lacroix, who you've just mentioned, Rafa, because he came in from Sochaux. Um, it didn't have a sparkling CV, a sparkling reputation. And from the moment you first saw him, you realised what a fearless player he is. Slotted straight in at centre-back. Yes, has brilliant coach in Oliver Glasner, has a very solid tactical scheme around him, but he's quick, he's strong, he's good in the air, he can play, all of the elements that you need. And there was never a moment, I felt, throughout the season where he looked out of place. And the other thing that's hugely impressive is that a guy who's older and more experienced alongside him in John Brooks... I think has just had his best season as a Bundesliga player. And I think the main reason for that is the guy alongside him. So for a, a kid at 20 to have that kind of impact is absolutely amazing and for very little money. So not uh, Ahmed Kutucu to Heracles Almelo. <laughs> no, no, but we'll hear from him again. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. <laughs> Saturday, one o'clock. <laughs> so I also had Lacroix on my list and I considered a, a double loan transfer, uh, Danny Da Costa and Dominic Cor, um, half season loan from Frankfurt uh, to Mainz because I think they have been instrumental in, in this turnaround of the season that we've already been talking about. I also considered this uh, strange swap of goalkeepers between Augsburg and Union with Rafa Giekewitz going to Augsburg and uh, Andy Lute uh, going to Union and everybody was asking who is the loser of this swap and in the end both were winners. So uh, Giekewitz played a fantastic season at Augsburg and Lute played it best ever season in professional football and was a hero of the uh, last uh, last match of the season. But, but my winner is somebody who isn't technically new, but he wasn't full, he was at full transfer only uh, last summer. And that's Andre Silva, because he was on loan in Frankfurt and um, uh, Frankfurt bought him last summer and they paid three million euro and that is i mean the the bargain of the season or maybe the decade i don't know if you get such a fantastic striker how many score goals has he scored i i i lost i lost track um uh 
but but he he was he was um, in the shadow of the two giants, uh, Robert Lewandowski and uh, Erling Haaland. He he was um, not, and normally he would have been the goal scorer of the season in in most of the seasons. And uh, so yeah, I go for Andre Silva. Andre Silva is a great shot. He scored twenty eight goals, uh, Christoph. I think there was some down payment the season before. I don't think three million euros was the whole sum that they paid for him. But still, I think you're absolutely right. Um, but my signing of the year is somebody who was perhaps not a bargain, but I think who will turn out a bargain and, and who's already exceeded all expectations. And that's Jude Bellingham. I think at uh, 17, what he has done and how far he's come in such a short space of time, playing in the biggest games for Dortmund, not looking out of place against Manchester City in the Champions League and the value if you want to be a little bit unromantic, that will be attached to him. I think Mark Amart as an absolute wonderful buy, uh, a great professional as well. If you want to read more about him, incidentally, <laughs> there's an article on The Athletic coming out on Tuesday where the likes of Edin Tesic and Otto Ardo are completely in awe of uh, the player's ability to improve and his professionalism. Really worth reading, if I may say so. We move on to Best game of the season. This is a really interesting one because from a commentator's point of view, you naturally gravitate towards big moments that you've enjoyed. And there's a bit of recency bias as well because the end of that Union against RB Leipzig game on Saturday was, that was just very extraordinary. Recent. <laughs> yeah, very recent. But you had everything. You had a goalkeeper who'd made a mistake who then made a string of brilliant saves. You had uh, a team in Leipzig that played their part, hit the post just before Cruz's winner. And then having put in all that sweat, all that intensity, all that effort over the course of the season, you thought, oh, this is going to be a, a nearly moment uh, for Udion. But for Cruz to score right at the end, uh, that was incredible. Another vote, I guess, would be uh, taking myself out of the equation. Uh, I thought uh, Bayern 3, RB Leipzig 3 was an absolutely brilliant game uh, and, a, and a great advert for what the league has to offer. So uh, a game that was nothing to do with me, that one, a game that I was personally kind of involved in in a very small way, uh, Union's win over RB Leipzig. For me, the, the most entertaining game I saw this season was um, a, not a big match. It was um, Frankfurt beating Union 5-2 with this uh, a bizarre own goal of Robert Andrich. Uh, Union having... Chances to score five or six goals. Uh, Frankfurt being being uh, uh, clinical in the way that they haven't been, unfortunately, toward the end of the season. And and it was a a, a lot of stuff going on in this match. And and I enjoyed it a lot. But but I would also go for uh, for Bayern Bayern and Leipzig's draw in the first half of the season because that was a a, a real top match where two teams of very high quality played their best football and and so yeah i would go uh, go for bayern three uh leipzig three as a best match of the season yeah it's tough to, very tough to argue with that but i would also mention the fact that all three bayern dortmund games uh, including the super cup and the two bundesliga games were actually really really good they were close they were entertaining the standard was very high Yes, Bayern didn't come out as winners in all of them, but they conceded two goals each time and it could have easily gone 
in a different way. So I think as far as those huge games are concerned, a pretty good season as well because we had some real drama and entertainment even though Bayern ran away Bundesliga winners once more. Um, that brings us on to our final category and a chance to discuss even more players because we will nominate an 11 of the season and we'll do so by by committee. We'll see if we can agree <laughs> on the final positions. Um, my suspicion is that the first uh, slot is perhaps not that controversial. I mean, are there any arguments to say that uh, Manuel Neuer should not be in goal of our combined Bundesliga 11. Yes. Anyone? Yes, absolutely. Oh, um, Neuer played very well, of course. However, did concede more goals than he usually would in a Bundesliga season. Didn't keep as many clean sheets as he usually would in a Bundesliga season. And so I'm going to nom- nominate Armenia Bielefeld's Stefan Ortega because if you're looking at it on a basis of who ended up being more valuable to their team over the course of the season, he was absolutely sensational. Made Big saves at big times, uh, led the team at the back very, very well, was super consistent, not too many errors, and also very important with the ball at his feet. I mean, you speak to data guys, they'll tell you that in terms of progressive passing, in terms of getting the team moving, he's right up there. So in terms of the impact he's made and the value he brought, I would pick Ortega over Neuer. And I would agree. I also have him on my list, and um, I think he he also played his best ever season. He was a bit overlooked in the past because he also had had um, uh, fantastic performances already in the second division, and now he is the uh, unofficial number four for the German national team. So if if one of the three nominated goalkeepers will be uh, injured in in, in coming days, he, he will uh, come into the team and I think it's well-deserved. And and yes, if, if we were talking about value for the team, I think he was the most valuable goalkeeper of the season for any team. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. Okay, well, i tell you the case for Neuer. Yes, they conceded a lot of goals, but if it hadn't been for Manuel Neuer, <laughs> I think Bayern would have conceded many, many, many more goals. I think he was best back to his flawless best. I, I, I can't recall a mistake from him. He was a little bit wobbly the season before where I felt um, Gulashi was the more consistent keeper, but I thought Neuer was peerless. But okay, you want to be Bundesliga hipsters? <laughs> uh, I get it. You want to be, be cool going with a Bielefeld keeper? Fine, I, I'll give you Ortega. Okay, uh, right back. Now, I, I should say that right back and left back have been problem positions, not just for Joachim Löw, but I also feel in the Bundesliga this year, we don't really have the outstanding players. We don't really have Alfonso Davis lighting up the scene. We don't really have Hakimi for all his defensive issues, you know, being so exciting to watch. Rafa Guerrero had a very ordinary season by his standards. Who, who do we think actually stood out in those positions? Let's start with the right back. I think me and Christoph might go for the same player here. Uh, I'm going to nominate Christopher Trimmel because I think <laughs> in terms of leadership, in terms of consistency, but also in terms of delivery from set plays because, you know, the temptation is to label them as a set-piece team. They're not just that. They can play, but set-pieces are a massive part of it. And delivery from free kicks, from corners, very, very consistent. 
And he is a great leader, great organizer. So I would pick him a right back. I totally agree. I also have Christopher Trimmel on my list. I'm, I think I'm personally a bit biased by, but because I also like this guy very much because he is a, a, a very nice person and uh, and a fantastic leader for Union. But I think he also improved from last season because it wasn't only his his. Um, his 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 uh, free kicks and and corner kicks that were extraordinary. Also his his uh, performance um, with the, from the moving game was much better. And what he, what he also scored a goal, only one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so for, for me he is um, uh, yeah he is uh, the uh, right back of my choice. Okay, well another sort of left field choice if you will even though he's uh, <laughs> playing as right back um I, I get it i get it what you're too up to i mean for me maybe it's my big team bias showing through and maybe my my personal background as well but i think benjamin pavar is the best right back in the bundesliga if i wake you up in the middle of the night and say you have to choose one right back to play for your team in the bundesliga i think we'd all Take Pavar ahead of Trimble, maybe not you, Christoph. Is that going to happen, your, by the uh, way, Rafa? I'm, I'm slightly concerned now. Is that actually going to happen? That you're going to appear in the middle of the night and demand <laughs> some... team selections from us? Just so I know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I don't know how how what your alarm system is like. <laughs> not good enough, I suspect. <laughs> sneak in easily. Yeah. Yeah. No, I won't. I won't bother you. I won't bother you with that. Okay, fine. Trimble, it's okay. We'll we'll go with Trimble. Um, the two centre-backs. I have maybe a surprise ch uh, choice. I, I have Mats Hummels and Dayat Upamecano. I think we can debate on Upamecano because uh, his season was far from perfect. Uh, but, but, but still, I, I, I have seen so many impressive performances by him. This combination of energy and skill and they maybe the, the the factor of youth was showing more this season than it did uh, the season before but I think uh, he impressed me a lot and um, Matsumas also did um, because I think he was uh, more important than we think in uh, guiding Borussia Dortmund back to stability uh, so that they could finish the, the season as uh, they did. So the two are my choice. Uh, I'm going to go for Maxence Lacroix because I'm an ashamed fan of his. I think he's been sensational in his first <coughs> Bundesliga season. Wolfsburg very, very solid. That was the reason, really, that they were able to uh, secure that Champions League place was how solid they were in defence. And I'm also going to go for a Leipzig player, but a slightly different one. I'm going to go for Willy Orban because he's actually really had to battle back from injuries, from losing his place. You know, he's had Upamecano, he's had Corate, he's had other players to kind of battle away with Halstenberg, close to Man have both had spells at centre-back. And what I love about Orban is he's a leader and he's an organiser. He does the basics really, really well. He enjoys the basics so much. Uh, he's earned a new long-term deal with Leipzig and I think he's been brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I think these are all worthy choices and I would also pick Upamecano despite his flaws and despite the problems he's had. I think he's still the outstanding or one of the outstanding defenders of this league. We should also not forget that Leipzig have, by some distance, the best defence this season. And I think that is mostly 
not mostly, but part at least partially down to him. Um, my second choice would be Lacroix as well, simply because to make Wolfsburg so solid and consistent and to shine as much as he did in a, in a team that, as we said, doesn't necessarily have that many star performers, I think was was quite a feat. But uh, Hummels also a worthy, worthy candidate for sure. Okay, I'm going to pick out of these. I'm going to go with Upamecano and Lacroix. I think they have the best, the most combined votes. Left back, Christoph. Um, I go for An- Angelinho. Uh, Leipzig's. Um, if we if we would put on a recency bias here, we, maybe we would take him out because, <laughs> uh, in a way, he vanished towards the the end of the season. Um, and the mysterious circumstances. Yeah, in a way, because, you're right. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann was not prepared to discuss why he was no longer part of the squad. Yeah, and so they they must have been some. Uh, real issues um yeah but 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 when, when we talked the first 25 rounds of the bundesliga i think he he has been he he was he was entertaining i i think that's that's uh, true to say he was um um he was as much part of this already praised stability of leipzig's defense but he was also very much part of the uh, attacking from uh, the attacking wide that um, Leipzig has been uh, showing this season. So and yeah, and and he was he was fun to watch, and uh, so this combination puts in Angelino for me. Uh, I'm going to underline my cool credentials again, and I'm going to go for Christian Günther at Freiburg because in terms of consistency over the whole season you knew exactly what you were going to get from him pace he's even started scoring goals which is remarkable Um, assists as well and just a guy who has earned that place in the Germany squad for the European Championships I think he's been terrific and I think as a standard bearer for Freiburg, who are overlooked time and time and time again for what is remarkable achievements over and over again. I'm going to go for Christian Gunter. Rafael Guerrero was a very close second because I accept what you say, Rafa, by his standards, not a sparkling season. But I actually thought in that run of wins that they had at the end of the campaign, I thought he was superb. A good shout there. I mean, Freiburg, of course, not overlooked by Joachim Löw, who happens to be uh, one of their most keen observers, yeah. this being their local, his local club. And uh, perhaps he's seen more of Günther than anyone else in the Bundesliga this season. Uh, and that might explain his nomination. I, li- I like Günther. Uh, I'm not sure he is, he is that amazing. In a, in a pretty ordinary Freiburg team. Yes, extraordinary results, but still, Freiburg never quite do it for me as a, as a football side. So, Angelino uh, for me as well. Only two-thirds of the season, perhaps, but those two-thirds were pretty damn good, especially his goal scoring. And he's, of course, not an ordinary left-back, more of a, of a wing-back, but still, I think his inclusion is, is more than warranted. Now, before we move on, I think we have to briefly discuss what is our formation, because ordinarily we'd say, let's play with at least three midfielders, uh, central midfielders. But I wonder if we have to cram in both Lewandowski and Haaland, if we have to go to a flat 4-4-2. What do you, what do you think? I did I that. Think yeah, I think there's an argument for that. <laughs> okay, good. That, that makes three of us because that's what I picked. Okay, so to our two central midfielders then. Uh, I'll go for Jude Bellingham and I'll go for Joshua Kimmich. I think Kimmich has maintained his incredible standards. I love him as a player. So competitive, so intense. Um, just an incredible footballer in so many ways. And as we see every so often, 
just incredible skill as well. You see the assists he racks up. He's versatile. You know he'd be as good a right back as he would be a central midfielder, which is a debate that's raged throughout his career so far. And he's just a serial winner. And Jude Bellingham, for the reasons you mentioned earlier, Rafa, I mean, he, for a 17-year-old to have the maturity that he has, the attitude that he has, the bravery that he has. And that's before you even get on to the technical ability. He's a box to genuine box-to-box to midfielder, tackles well, breaks up play, gets people moving, surges into the box. I think he's great. And for 17, how good is he going to be at 27? I mean, it's just absurd how good he is. <laughs> I also go for uh, for Kimmich, and I think that doesn't need further explanations, but because he um, he is what he is, and he is um, a, an old-fashioned leader. He's but he's also a, a fantastic football player in every aspect of his his game. I was thinking about uh, Leon Goretzka uh, putting on his side. Um, and and there is a connection to 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 Bellingham and uh, and I would finally vote for for Bellingham between Goretzka and him because I remember doing an interview with Leon Goretzka when he was 17 or so I think or or, or just 18 and it, it he it felt like talking to the oldest 17 year old I've ever uh, talked to so he at that time, he was so mature, so grown up, so clear in uh, how he was talking about things. And I see the same in, in, in Bellingham. And um, yes, he has uh, some, some sometimes, uh, I mean, he, he had this sending off where, where you could see that sometimes the, his energy is led in the wrong direction. But overall, it was so impressive. And I think there are, uh, so many good things that we can expect from him in in the future. So, so my combination would also be uh, Bellingham and Kimmich in uh, central midfield. Yeah, well, Kimmich, I think is 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 a no brainer. It'd be impossible to leave him out. Goretzka or Bellingham, I think that is what it comes down to. And I think there are good reasons to include include either of them. We already eulogized um, about Bellingham. I think Goretzka also had an absolute stellar season going to the next level and becoming really, really important for this Bayern team. So, okay, let's give it to Bellingham. Let's give it to Bellingham. We we, we like teenagers to be as exciting and as mature and as consistent and he has been. So Bellingham and Joe Kimmich, I think, would make a pretty nice pairing for any team, especially for our Steikast combined 11. Uh, that leaves the wide players... And the two strikers. Um, maybe we should do the two strikers first because I think we might have an agreement there. Is there any need to discuss this? No, you're shaking your head, Christoph. You, Kevin, uh, have you got some left I'm field? I'm going to go for Florian Niederlechner um, because maybe a substitute from Köln. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll go for Florian Niederlechner. Uh, went 997 minutes without scoring. Battle back. I think he's absolutely <laughs> the choice. Now, of course, it's Lewandowski and Holland. Of course, it is. Okay. Well, then, then let's let's talk about the. Uh, the wingers then or the the wide attacking midfield i'm gonna go start i'm gonna start first on those two i'm going to even though he's not happy as there put muller uh, on the right because we have to find well i have to find some way of getting into the team i think he's been absolutely brilliant and he nearly won our play of the season not called robert Lewandowski award anyway and on the left Again, slightly out of position, but I think he'll do a pretty good job there. Jaden Sancho. Yes, not the best of starts for him, 
But he came back so strongly. And I think by the end of the season, it was once again, not just Dortmund, but perhaps the league's most creative, most exciting player in a wide position. Uh, you compare him to the Bayern players, for example, who on paper should have the most exciting lineup. They they weren't at Sancho's level, certainly not consistently. So Sancho and Müller is for me. Any disagreements, gents? It's interesting that you're mentioning uh, Sancho because I think that's part of the the genius. I would say ah, genius maybe is a, a bit too much, but but the 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 very good way and how Eden Terzic was uh, running Borussia Dortmund because he was putting him from the right to the to the left wing. Uh, because he his idea was that Sancho needed more protection from from behind, and he got it with Rafael Guerrero. And on the on the right side, the, the Borussia Dortmund had a lot of uh, problems after Hakimi was leaving. So, but but I uh, to 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 put him in my team of the season, Sancho. I, I think it took too long until he got there. So overall. Um, Philip Kostic would be my my choice. Also, again, a bit of a problem with the recency bias because recently uh, the Philip Kostic wasn't the Philip Kostic anymore um, that we have been marveling at uh, for for long parts of the season, and I think he was um, he was uh, probably. With Silver together, Frankfurt's best player uh, this year, and almost um, missed, um, and they almost. Oh, sorry. Um, so he was uh, together with Silver, the best player for for Eintracht Frankfurt, and um, it's a bit sad that that he he lost his form towards the end of the season, and Frankfurt didn't manage to qualify for Europe. But his speed, his and the quality of his crosses, and uh, that was extraordinary. So I would go for. Philip Kostic and Thomas Müller and Thomas Müller, of course. I mean, he he would complain and and uh, to be put there by us, and and he re would refuse to play there, <laughs> and and he, and of course he 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 didn't play there anymore. So he was uh, the Raumdeuter behind the between the lines um, uh, as uh, in his best days, or now uh, were his best days. Uh, same choices for me uh, as you, Rafa. Uh, Jaden Sancho, I think you're absolutely right. It did take him a long time to get going, but when he got going, wow. Uh, he, you know, as good as he's been, goals, assists, everything sparking around him. And the other thing that we don't talk about as much is that he creates so much space for others just by existing on that pitch in that kind of form. So guys like Royce suddenly came to the party and part of that is that they're so worried defenders about what Sancho's going to do. Royce has suddenly got a bit more room to manoeuvre. So absolutely terrific, his impact in 2021. But Philip Kostic, in my thoughts as well, very, very close. But I think Sancho just edges him out and Muller... Thomas, just go and express yourself. Do your thing. It's only a formation. <laughs> you go and do your thing off the right. It's fine. Right. Okay. I think that uh, sums things up then. I think Sancho just edges it ahead of Kostic, maybe due to his more natural talent uh, and inherent skill set. So uh, just to recap, uh, our best 11 combined uh, in the Steinkast this season is Ortega and Goal. Trimmel, Upamecano, Lacroix, Angelino, Müller, Kimmich, Bellingham, Sancho, Haaland and Lewandowski. That's 
pretty good. Maybe slightly open <laughs> as a team. A lot of work for the for the back four, <laughs> but pretty decent side. And just perhaps worth mentioning that at least ten of these players we'd all expect to see again come next season. Jaden Sancho, maybe a bit of a question mark. So another chance. Uh, for them to repeat uh, their great success of making the combined <laughs> 11 inch diecast next season. Uh, we will let you know if they can do so. Well, that's it for this week's pod. That's actually it for the season. It's been, it's been great. It's been long, but it's been very entertaining. We've seen some really good football and hopefully things will be back to normal with even more entertainment, with fans, with everything that we love about the Bundesliga coming back come August. And of course, Falford Bochum will be back. Yes, we should mention that again. Köln, they still have a bit of work cut out. They need to overcome Holstein Kiel in the playoffs to stay in this division. Um, thank you so much, Kevin and Christoph, for being around throughout the season. Thank you, dear listener. Thank you, producer Dave, for your stellar work. And we hope to catch up with you in a couple of months' time because that's when we're going to do it all again. Until then, bye-bye. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman, and I'm here to tell you what The Athletic has planned across its podcast network during the Euros. My pod with David Ornstein will become the Athletics England show throughout the tournament to bring you all the latest news and insight from inside the England camp every single day. Then we'll also have nightly editions of the Totally Football Show, taking a look at all the big talking points from the competition and looking ahead to the next day's fixtures. Now, if you're feeling nostalgic for tournaments past, we've produced an eight-part documentary series that tells some fascinating stories from both on and off the pitch from the last eight euros elsewhere michael cox's zonal marking pod will offer an in-depth tactical breakdown of all the biggest games while adam hurry's football cliche show will take a look at the tournament's alternative storylines so as this never ending domestic season finally draws to a close we'll have plenty of euro 2020 coverage for you to enjoy as the tournament gets underway in just a couple of weeks time Athletic.